Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Church Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people take their next step to move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridgechristian.com. We pray that your life is transformed through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our group life pastor, Tim Smith. It can be daunting to deal with a mess, can it? Whether that's a crammed cupboard or a cramped garage or a careless and inconsiderate roommate, it's times like those when you really just want to go, hey, how about some help? That's even truer in life's messes that are a little deeper, isn't it? Maybe the habit that becomes an addiction or the relationship that begins to go south or the loss of a loved one. It's times like those you really need somebody to come alongside of you. Well, as we continue in our series, This Is Us, we want to talk about our second value. If you were here with us last week, you know that um, Pastor Mike did a great job in introducing us to what I believe is the foundational value upon which all the rest of them are built. And that's the value that simply says, you sang about it today, Jesus is the center of it all. Everything we do, everything we plan, everything we say is built around the fact that Jesus Christ is the center of it all. And we're hoping that you'll take your next step, move toward him. And I want to tell you a little secret, though, about Mike's message. He got it from a great source. He got it from Jesus. Because there was a guy once who came to Jesus and asked this question, what's the greatest commandment? What's the center of it all? What is it that you would say is the greatest priority? And this is how Jesus answered him. He said this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, keep him the center. Keep God, keep me the center. But then he added this, the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, notice he didn't say, I've got another one that you can do if you want. It's optional. He didn't even say, I've got another one I want to add on top of the first one. You see, the phrase there is like it carries the idea of similar importance. Jesus is saying, love is the great priority. Love for God and love for others. In fact, he goes on to say that all the commandments, everything else hangs upon or is set upon our love for God and our love for each other, which brings us to our second value. We've placed it in your insert this way, kind of sermon in a sentence, if you will, that says, thriving and growing in our relationship with God and others is always done better together. Or as we put it formally, and if you've been to Discover Northridge, you may remember this, we just simply say we're better together. We believe that you grow best in your relationship with Jesus, who is the center of it all, when we are intentionally involved with one another in loving and authentic community. Now, this truth is evident throughout Scripture, but 
There's a portion in Galatians that Paul writes that I think really hits the nail on the head. It's in Galatians 5. We're going to start with verse 19. So if you have your Bible or you have your device, you can get there on that. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we're more than happy to give you one free of charge. Just go out to our welcome counters out in the lobby. But basically, this scripture, we're going to help us dig a little more deeply into this value. We're going to ask some very simple but revealing questions, and I think this passage is going to help us. Here's the first one. Why do we need to be together? Well, the answer to that question is revealed in verses 19 and 21 of our text. He says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. If you want to circle or underline or highlight that word, obvious. They're obvious. And then he goes and lists them. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Those are some pretty serious things. But then look at the next part of the list. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Ever lost your temper? Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all the like. In other words, we have all lived in the acts of the flesh rather than living holy and perfect as is God. And Paul says it's obvious. We are all sinners. All of us. In fact, another way he puts it is in Romans 3.23. He says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So why do we need each other? (laughs) Well, it's pretty simple. We need each other because we've got something in common. We are all a mess. In fact, it is our messiness that brings us together. We're in need of God's love, and we're in need of each other's love to be able to get through the mess. In fact... That means when we look at one another, we're not to criticize someone else's mess while forgetting our own. In fact, did you notice in Paul's description here that he doesn't rank these sins? That's because God doesn't rank sin. In fact, this is why Jesus taught in Matthew 7 to yank the plank. (laughs) And that's what he said. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. In other words, instead of being a critic of the mess, we need to be a student of others' messes. Where we ask the question, I wonder how it got that way and how can I help? Because you see, it's only when we yank the plank do we stop hurting and start helping. We need to remind ourselves that the person in the mirror is a mess In fact, here's the truth that I want you to take from this first point. It's simply this. I know a mess when I see one because I am one. Would you say that with me? Let's say it all together. I know a mess when I see one because I am one. And not only does being a mess bring us together because we have something in common, but it also reminds us just how much we need God. I believe with all of my heart that Christians believe that the mess that brings us together also brings God near. For God loves all the messy people. God looked down on the mess. Instead of flooding it again or burning it up, he said, I'll send my son to address the mess. And you know what? That's why Jesus was such a surprise. So many people back then and still today thought, you know what? If God ever comes to earth... He's going to come as a condemning judge. But just the opposite happened. 
When Jesus came, he introduced something that was such a surprise, so different. It was called grace. In fact, John 3.16 is probably a verse that most everybody's at least read or saw. Maybe even you've memorized it. But I wonder if we shouldn't be looking at the verse after that with the same intensity. John 3.17, this is what it says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen, Jesus came because of our mess. You see, we believe that the mess you're in right now may be the very lens by which you can discover Jesus. Isn't it true that when we're in the deepest messes, that's when we have a tendency to look up, to look to God the most? And I believe, and this is critical, especially for those of you who are wondering about the whole Jesus thing, I believe that the mess you're in right now has the greatest potential to bring God near you. Jesus loves all the messes, all the messes of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all messes, but they're precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the messes in the world, and it is his love and the fact that we admit that we're in a mess that answers this first question. Why do we need to be together? Because we're all a mess, <laughs> and we need God, and we need help. And God has seen fit to say, I want you to help others who are in messes because, remember, I know a mess when I see one because I am one. And that brings us to our second question, what benefit comes from being together? Well, I would answer that with one word, but it's in two parts. The word is relationship. And it kind of becomes a full circle with these two relationships. The first one is a relationship with someone or maybe even a group of people that introduced you to God. Maybe that was your parents, maybe that was a friend, whoever that might be. They helped you understand that it's through a relationship with God that you can have forgiveness of sins and grace. And then, as you grow closer to God, you hear from God through his word how being together helps you share that very message with somebody else and help someone else through their messiness or difficulties of life. That's exactly what Paul's talking about here in Galatians 5 when he writes in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. In other words, we've said, you know what? I'm dead to that old life. I don't, I don't want to live that way anymore. It doesn't mean I'll live perfectly, but it does mean I'm going to keep trying. And then he says... Not only have they crucified the flesh, but they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, my desire for God and for other people is totally different now. It's another way of saying, listen, when I have a relationship with Jesus, when you follow him and when you walk with him, you're transformed by him. If you are here last week, that may sound familiar. But when you have a relationship with him, it doesn't make you perfect, but it does make you better. And you try to make others better, try to help them to be better too. I'm so impressed when I look at Jesus because Jesus doesn't say, listen, you make sure you memorize every command I give you. Not that that's a bad thing. He doesn't say, listen, I want you to have every T crossed, every period, every, every jot and tittle. I want you to have all that in your mind at all times. doesn't say that. You know what he says? He says two words. Follow me. He wants a personal relationship with me, with you. In fact, I heard a preacher the other day say something I thought really, really hit this nail on the head when it comes to this. He said this. He said, too many people 
want a triple-A Jesus. They want him to come and fix their flat or their overheated engine, and then he can go on his way. Listen, that may work with cars, but that doesn't work very well with personal messes. What we need is an ongoing relationship. And that's why Jesus says, follow me. He is the answer to your big MS, your sin. But then he says, I also want to give you help for your little M messes. That's your difficulties in life that are sometimes, quite frankly, brought on by the big M. But God's forgiveness for the big M and then help through each other for the little M's. That's the primary tool that he gives you to get through your little messes. It's one another. In fact, one anothering is such a huge principle, especially in the New Testament. It talks about that we are to love one another, accept one another, forgive one another, bear with one another, serve one another, encourage one another, confess your sins to one another, teach one another a hundred times in the New Testament is this concept that you are to be one anothering each other. And we know who first accepted and forgave and served and encouraged us. It's Jesus. And now he wants you to follow him to emulate his ways by treating each other the same way. Listen, here's the truth. If God, if you allow God to be in you, eventually his virtues will come out of you. If you allow God to live in you, to be in you, eventually his virtues will come out of you. And what are those virtues? What's here in verses 22 and 23 of Galatians 5. We call them sometimes the fruits of the Spirit. Here's what we're supposed to demonstrate toward each other. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, another word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, Christianity has always been, always been, an inside-out faith. You take Jesus inside, help him renew your mind and your hearts, and then you can abound with his virtues on the outside to one another. We're better, and we're better together when he is shining through us. Listen, following Jesus isn't primarily about just doing what is right. Because when that's all it is, then it's all about you. I keep the rules. I obey the commandments. I do what's right. I, I, I. No, the primary thing is not about doing what's right. The primary thing about following Jesus is treating others right. Because when you do that, you're following Jesus. <laughs> what he's given to you, you're now giving to others. And that's where this is such a benefit. Because when you look at others the way God looks at you, you'll do the best for the rest. And the rest will do the best for you. <laughs> and we do that by actively and intentionally looking for ways to help each other in their mess. Paul talks about this in the first two verses of chapter 6. He says this, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, not by the flesh, should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law or the wishes of Christ. Now there's a word that is not written in there, but permeates both those verses. It's the word intentional. You cannot restore nor can you carry without being intentional to get involved in other people's messes. Now, why don't we do that? Well, 
Why don't we get involved sometimes in, in people that we know are in a mess? Well, I think it probably comes back to the big M. Because one of the reasons we don't do that is, in, is, is inconvenient, and we tend to be selfish. Like, let me tell you when you're too busy. You're too busy when you see messy people as an inconvenience rather than an opportunity. But there's another reason we do it. It's because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> and we tend to seek our own comfort, don't we? John Hambrick, who wrote a book called Move Into the Mess, wrote this. We will never meet the best versions of ourselves inside our comfort zones. Comfort zones can become prisons keeping us from true community. Another reason we don't put ourselves out there in terms of people's messes is because we're not in control. <laughs> we think we can't fix it, so we're just not going to get involved. But hear this. We were never meant to fix the mess. We were only meant to love the people in the mess. That's all that we were asked to do. And maybe as you hear those three things, you think, you know what? Those are the same things that Jesus could have used as an excuse not to come down to us. It wasn't terribly convenient for him to leave heaven and come down to the mundane. It certainly wasn't close to comfortable for him to leave the hails of heaven for the nails of Calvary. And he didn't come to control us. He just came to love us. And that is what he's asking each of us to do for and with each other. In fact, God whether you like it or not, uses messy people to help messy people. And there's so much benefit. Not only are others helped when you get involved, when you intentionally try to go about restoring and carrying others' burdens, but it makes your life exciting. Listen, the solution to boredom is not entertainment. The solution to boredom is engagement. It's being involved in the very mission of God and making life better together. And we do that because that's how he's made us. Which brings us to our last and most practical question. Where do we find the opportunities to be better together? Well, in this context, in this room, the answer is Northridge. I hope you realize that our church is not built on this event. That as great as this is, and we are thrilled that you are here, we did not build this church on you sitting in rows looking at the back of each other's heads. We built this church on the fact that you could sit in circles and face each other and help each other because we know you are better together. <laughs> That's what this is about. Now, this is about getting you in, maybe, but we want you to get in circles. We want you to move toward the mess because we're all messy, <laughs> but it's better together. That's why from birth through adults, you will see groups as a central part. If you go to Kidsville, our preschool ministry, you'll see a large group, then they'll break into small groups. If you go to Main Street, our grade school ministry, you'll see a large group, they'll end up in a small group. If you go to Merge, our middle and high school ministry, they'll have a large group, they'll break into small groups. If you go to Kudzu, you'll, our college ministry, you'll see small groups. You, you sensing a pattern here? <laughs> we do the same for adults. Life groups. Our, our primary way that we want you to get into community. Those are long-term groups where you have the potential to become like family with other people. And by the way, I get to announce today a new way for you to get into a life group if you'd like to. For the past five years, we've done an event called Group Link. 
It's been very successful. We've put over 600 new people into groups that way. But over the past couple of group links, we've seen attendance begin to kind of dwindle. And we began to wonder, wonder if it's too intimidating for people to come to that event, meet lots of people in the hopes of getting into a group. And maybe, maybe it's just adding one more thing to an already busy schedule. So we're going to make a change. We're going to look at you getting into a life group by doing online group link. In other words, no event. You just simply get on our website or on our NCC app and you sign up with your preferences, where you live, what, time of, what time of, uh, type of lifestyle you're in, etc., and be able to do that. And then when we have t- eight, ten people or so that have signed up and we think are a good fit, we'll just bring you all together and you'll be in a group. You won't have to meet a bunch of people to get into a group. You'll already be with the people that have got something in common with you. And we're going to try this. We're in hopes that taking away that intimidation factor maybe or, or making this one less thing that's on your event schedule, that that will help because we want you desperately to get into a life group. We believe that's where the best community happens. But that's not the only community that happens. We've also got some short-term groups for you to experience community with. For example, guys, every Saturday, the last Saturday of the month, We have a men's breakfast where we come together for food and for fellowship and to learn at 8.30 every morning. In fact, as you leave here today, guys, we're going to give you a card that's got a link to a survey on it where you can take a survey for men's ministry to see how we might more effectively serve you and bring together men's community. Ladies... On November 11th, we've got a morning event for you that you can come um, and be with other ladies and get into the Word. And then starting in January, January 15th and 16th, we have a women's Bible study here at the church that will last for approximately eight weeks. The session that we're featuring is by Priscilla Shriver on discerning the voice of God. It'll be held on Monday evening and on Tuesday morning. So you can pick which one of those best fits your schedule so that you can be with other ladies to have community. We offer beginnings in the spring. Beginnings is a seven-week discussion about the tenets of Christianity. It's for seekers, those who are wanting to know more about Christianity. It's for starters, those who are just getting new into their faith. It's for returners, people who maybe haven't been in church for a long time but would like to get acclimated again. And it's for those who would like to be better defenders of their faith. And we'll have that again in the spring. We had the well on Wednesday nights that will return again in 2018. And guess how they meet? They meet in groups. <laughs> Even your serving teams that you can be on are small groups where you can get into community. We even hired a new staff member, Adam Scott, to help us with discipleship. And he's going to be doing that after the first of the year in such things as finance and marriage. And guess what they're going to be in? <laughs> groups. <laughs> Why do we emphasize groups so much? Because that's where you can find real community. Listen, you may come here every Sunday and sit in the same place, and if other people around you sit in the same place, and we don't rearrange the furniture all the time, then you may get to know somebody. But you will never, ever know them to the depth And have the kind of community that Paul talks about here. Actively demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit with them. Restoring them. Carrying their burdens. Unless you get into a smaller group. That's what we want for you. Because listen, Jesus never ever meant for you to go it alone. He designed us. Because we're better. Together. Now I know I'm speaking to a lot of messy people right now. You know how I know that? 
because I'm a mess. <laughs> and I know that more than anything else, we want you to learn what we have learned in our messiness, that the mess you're in right now has a great potential to bring you near to God. Please don't ever forget, Jesus didn't just come into the mess. He came because of the mess. Think of all the people in the New Testament that he called to him. A woman caught in adultery, or a woman at the well caught in the messiness of sexual immorality. Zacchaeus caught in the mess of greed. Peter caught in the mess of a denial. To all those people, Jesus offered himself, and he said, choose me. I will never pull back from your mess. And so you've got a choice. You've got a choice to live by the flesh. Got to let you do that and live in the mess. <laughs> But more than anything, we want for you not to miss out on what Paul says in Galatians 5.21. This is what he writes. Let me tell you, as I had before, that anyone who chooses to live for the flesh, that is, you're living in that kind of lifestyle, that's what you choose is important, all those things that he mentioned, and then he says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. I wouldn't love you if I didn't tell you that. So you have a choice Instead of choosing to follow the flesh, choose to follow Jesus and let him use your mess to arrange a meeting between the two of you. And you know what? We'll help because we're better together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have shown us in this passage, but also just the fact that you have loved us enough not to just leave us out there, but to give us each other and help us to take that into our hearts and our minds, to love you and to love each other. And Lord, I pray especially for maybe those who are really in a bunch of messes right now. May they know that we're here to help, to pray for them and to do all that we can. But especially for that one, Father, that may not realize or, or may realize that they're in such a big MS and have never chosen to follow you, that they might come in just a moment, sing the song of the redeemed with us and give their lives to you. That's our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you'd like to find out more about Northridge, visit our website at northridgechristian.com. If you'd like to stay connected throughout the week, download our Church Link app today for your iOS or Android device.